Hey everybody, welcome to episode 120 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with Jimmy Duresta. Hello. Just in the nick of time. Just in the nick of time. Do you, do you hear Jimmy? that? Do you hear that whining? What's going on, Jimmy? I think Spike no. is dying for food. When Spike gets hungry, he starts whining. So the other day, he actually pushed open the door to the kitchen, which is like a spring-loaded old door, and then he went up to the refrigerator and put his paws on the refrigerator, like he's like, "It's time to feed me." Tell Sard, I didn't see it, but she said it was hilarious. <laughs> so I think he's whining to eat again. So uh, everything's good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming back. We also have David Pachito. I'm going to use this time to tell you about my cat problems. Do it, do it. <laughs> yeah. So we have a we have like a 21 year old cat, and oh he loves he loves to shower with you. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. R- really? <laughs> yeah. He likes to sit on top of the uh, the tub, and he wants you to drip water onto his face. And if you don't, then he starts like licking your leg. And it's it's a weird thing, but he's <laughs> and he's always done this. He just loves being in the shower with you. And lately, sorry Kelly, but lately he's become <laughs> extremely obsessed with it. Like anytime you sit up or get up, he runs to the bathroom, and he's like, he thinks you're. At, he's just waiting every shower day, time. every moment. He's hoping it's shower time. Yeah, it's getting to the point where it's like Sydney, take it easy. You know, come on. <laughs> Come on. I can tell you how to break a cat of that if you want. Uh, is it humane? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. You just put them in the shower, turn it on, and then just leave them in there for a long time. And eventually they'll get sick of it. And they won't want to do that anymore. I'll, I'll run I'm that by kidding. the Kelly. Our uh, our cat runs in after you take a shower and wants to lick the water off the bottom and wants mm. to wait for the drips. And yeah. And then walks around the house wet, which is super annoying. Yes. <laughs> yes. Cool. Well, now that we've gotten all of our cat problems out of the way, <laughs> what's going on? What's have new? You, have you guys heard about Makers and Shakers? Yeah, I, I did back. hear about that. It's yeah. back. Is it back back or is it like temporarily back? We're uh, we're testing the waters. So uh, if you haven't heard on my second channel, I did a surprise episode of Makers and Shakers, and so the plan is to. Because um, it's on my second channel, it's much smaller to kind of build it up quickly where I'm making enough AdSense to pay Eric to do all the editing and posting of that. Hmm. And um, it won't take long to get there. And so, um, you know, we'll just, it'll be another one of those things that we film when he's on Tuesday and he can take the files with him and, and edit it. So uh, we're, we're testing it to see if it fits into the workflow. It's not like I need more things to do, but. I always feel like I can do more things, yeah. And um, I don't know. I got a got a really good response, and I kind of I kind of missed it. I kind of missed doing that that stuff. So we'll see. Awesome. The well, trick. Cool. The, you know what? You know what the trick is to getting on the, the show is to have a really good thumbnail. <laughs> That's it. On that second channel, I started subscribing to like hundreds of people. And um, so when you, your, your feed is very clogged with a lot of stuff. And so I can't watch every video. So if you have an awesome thumbnail of an awesome thing that you made, there's a higher chance of getting watched. Not just by me, but by anybody in general. It's just hmm. a good rule of thumb. So, so, yeah. so here's a tip for everybody. Put David's face in your thumbnail and then mm. it'll catch his eye and he'll put you on the show. Can I say something Great. funny? I was mowing the lawn and then you were going through the rules and regulations like at the end of the uh, – and you go, <laughs> if you email me, I will block you. Yes. <laughs> what did you say specifically? <laughs> but whatever uh, you said, I cracked up laughing while I was mowing the lawn. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, somebody emailed me. If you listen to this podcast, I'm sorry, but somebody emailed me like, hey – uh, I'm glad you brought Makers and Shakers back. Here's my latest video. And that's exactly what I was trying to avoid. So. <laughs> axe came down. <laughs> the axe came down. I didn't, I didn't actually block this person, but I, I just want to, you know, emails can be tough. E- e- emails are not tough. It's just one of those things that can take up a lot of time. That's all. Yeah. Well, and I think like, speaking of email, just in general, a lot of people who want to write an email, they have a thing that they think is pretty short that they want to say to someone, you know, us or somebody else, but they don't really think about what it's going to add to the other person's time to actually read it and go through it. So like, um, I've been getting a, I don't know why, maybe it's just this time of year. I've been getting a lot of emails from college students and high, like high, high school students, you know, juniors, seniors, 
asking for help or ideas with their final projects. Mm. And it's not like they want me to make something for them, but just, I need an idea for a whatever, and it has these constraints. And I understand that. They're just trying to get an idea so they have something to go on. But, I mean, if you think about that, you're emailing a complete stranger and saying, like, can you do at least a portion of my work for me? Mm-hmm. Even though you have all of your own work to do and stuff. It's just, I think people don't maybe think through all the, you know, the requirements that are sent with an email that they send. Yeah. I think a lot of times what I have a problem with is, you know, there, you know, there, there's a certain emails where they're asking you to do something or to explain something or to come up with an idea. And, uh, you know, I don't know that I'm going to come up with the right solution for you. So what I struggle with is saying politely, like backing out of it, but not mm. trying to offend somebody. And I always feel like I'm being rude. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I just can't get that past that mental block. I don't think I'm being. I'm not being rude, but I'm afraid that they're going to think I'm being rude. Yeah. Well, you did it with such excitement the other day. That's what made me laugh. You. Were, you were like, "Hey, and if you you email me, I'm going to block you." <laughs> it was so fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to blocking everybody. I was. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of watching and listening while I was on the on the mower. So I was kind of like, but then like it was the roundup. So I just put the phone in my pocket and I was listening and I just started <laughs> laughing. Yeah. I like. And I, you just I, happened to mention it in your vlog video. No, I know because it, it was like on mine. It was on my mind, and I saw oh. it. And then it was like two days later when I was doing my wrap ups, and yeah, it was funny. And it came right out. And I'm like, wait, oh, that's how do I know that name? <laughs> <laughs> so that was like a real funny moment. Cool, Jimmy. What have you been up to? Uh, just I'm upstate. I've been upstate for four days. We're just uh, working on the shop, the new shop. I'm kind of getting down to the wire in New York. I still have a lot to move, but it's the essentials really that are there. And so I figured it would be time to start to organize my my giant pile of garbage. And I'm just going through it. And me and Willie are kind of organizing it. I'm building shelves and slowly defining the space and setting up the feng shui. It's, I talked a little bit about it in uh, my vlog, but it's, it's, there's considerably more movement since the, the last images in the vlog. We got a, a shelf on the wall and I'm starting to go through and actually catalog and decide what I need, where I need it. How do I, how am I going to use it? So it's a, uh, it's a lot of work, but it's I'm slowly chipping away at it. And I got electric in there. So I had to change plugs on some of my 220 equipment to get everything matched up to speed. But yep. It's, uh, and then what am I working on? Oh, and then I'm working on, I'm going to actually have a video out probably by the time this airs. I'll have a, a video of these metal hands that I made. They're going to hold the knives. It was a, a concept I came up with uh, from my, uh, a friend, a guy I made friends with online who has a knife company. And he, we started brainstorming about new ways to display knives. And I came up with this like plasma cut bent up hands that hold the knives. And I rusted them. They came out really nice and beautifully rusty the way I love it. And so I'm going to be wrapping that up probably today as far as the video is concerned. Did you, you put that on Instagram, didn't you? I did. I talked, uh, I don't know if I put it on Instagram. I mentioned it in a vlog a couple of weeks ago when I first started. Oh, okay. And I thought I was going to have it done a little bit faster and, and everything. Cause I knew, uh, he needs them in June. So I, I've been kind of lazy about them. I put it on the back burner. Uh, yeah. I, I did it before my Ohio trip, but, um, yeah, just, uh, it's, it's tough going, trying to organize, move and also manage trying to keep vlogs and videos going. So it's it's been tough. That's why I've been putting up a couple of repeats lately. I'm kind of digging into my crates and putting up some of the uh, the Duresta Cut stuff, which is now eligible for me to be able to post it on my channel. 18 months has always been the the, the regulation that I made up with my, my clients there. So. Nice. So I was curious about the moving stuff now that you're getting set up. I know you got it rid of, or are getting rid of a lot of stuff from the city, but have you gotten anything up there? And then while you're actually organizing, have you been like, oh, wow, I really, I don't need this. Like, why did I bring this? That's going to happen. Or are you finding de- use for everything? <laughs> no, that's definitely going to happen. I'm d- definitely going to happen. I, I brought up bins of drawers because I just didn't have the time to like look through the drawers. So mm. I have bins of, and if I open the drawer and it's like full of pencils that I put in there six years ago, I'm like, why? I could just empty this right into a garbage can and, and have an empty yeah. drawer. So that's going to have to happen while I'm up here. I got drawers with like doorknobs and electrical fixtures and boxes, things that I just don't need. And if we go on that, criteria of like have you needed it in the last year or two or three years most likely most of that could probably just <laughs> three. go in a pile three years i so, don't think people use the three-year rule i think it's more of a one-year rule <laughs> well you know me i'm older and uh i got a lot more 
time under my belt. So the idea is I'm going to really definitely kind of sift through the drawers and, and organize the drawers. Like even today, like I wanted to just dump full drawers into the garbage can, but I'm like, let me just slowly take my time and do this right. And, and Brett's going to be a big help. Brett has been my, my new shop assistant for the last uh, almost five months. And uh, Brett is looking forward to doing that. He, he likes doing that. I, to me, I can't stand it, but he, he likes going through it. And for him too, it kind of gives him a visual catalog of, of what I have available as far as you know what I got. So he, he's, he's just like, oh, wow, look, I didn't know you had a drawer full of these. Did you know you had a drawer full of these? I'm like, no. Where'd you find hmm. those? I'm like, I don't even remember buying those. So he's, he's like sifting through like the, uh, the past, <laughs> so to speak. Now, is he, is he in the city or is he upstate? Uh, Brett is in the city, so he, this is he hasn't made it up here yet. He's helped me move up a couple of times, and Brett actually is going to sublet his apartment and move up to Hudson. Oh, he's, wow. a, he's sort of a country boy at heart. He's from Kansas City, and he's been wanting to get out of the city, and there's nothing holding him in the city anymore. He's made a full transition to, do, to be a maker, full-time maker. He's also a freelance motion graphic artist, editor. He's editing all of Taylor's videos, so Taylor's, Taylor's been shooting some of his stuff. He actually shot this the new one that will be out in a couple of days. Uh, of her making a leather apron. Um, but Brett, he's also helped me considerably too. He shoots. So when I'm working, he just keeps moving along with me and it helps me flow through some of the projects. The um, hmm. Most recently, the, the the wooden box that's on the Rockler channel, the leather toolbox. He, he, he and I work together, like we breeze through a shoot. Just that, that shoot just took a long time because of my logistics. So I was making it up here, making it down there. But... He's been a great help, so he's looking forward to helping that. And then Willie is is amazing over at the shop today. When I when Willie works on an area, it looks like it was never messy ever since the day it was made. <laughs> he's such an incredible. He's in, incredibly meticulous when it comes to cleaning anything and organizing stuff. It's amazing. I, I, like when I, I give up on stuff, I just go, Willie, could you handle this? Because I just don't know what to do anymore. I, I do my best to try and clean up, inspired by Willie's abilities, and it just doesn't look the same. And like I said, he's, when he finishes cleaning up or making or organizing or rearranging something, it looks like it was right off the factory, whatever it was. So <clears throat> between those guys and Taylor's going to start helping out. It's it's a long road, but it's welcomed and the timing is, is just right. And it feels right. That's the most important. Like when I'm in there, yeah. it feels like home, even though it's just starting. So. That's awesome. I mean, it's. I don't know if you intended this, but it, you actually have like a team now. Yeah. You know, with that group of people in a new place to like actually be able to have enough space for a team. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. And David Welder and I have been talking this week and, uh, you know, for the fans that are curious, David's just been taking a little bit of time off trying to reassess what his focus and his goals are as far as YouTube. He's definitely not going anywhere. He's just been taking some time off working with his dad. His dad, I don't know if it's clear through his videos, his family owns like a half of an island in, in like a big network of lakes and rivers. And the house, to get to it, you need to get to it by a rowboat. So Dave and his dad have been working on the house and, and wow. doing some restoration on the house. And so that's what he's been up to. But uh, Dave is more than welcome to come and settle in the shop when the time is right. And in my last video, just I'll, I'll stop rambling after this next statement. But in my last video, I went over the, the prop. I walked through the property with the landlord. Guys, did you happen to see that where I walked through this like expansive, like kind of dingy mm-hmm. warehouse? And half of the warehouse has collapsed, which is like, it's just a big open space. Um, anyway, he and I got to a conversation, and there's a couple of YouTubers that are looking to relocate, and, and I'm trying to encourage them. I don't want to say who they are, but uh, I'm trying to encourage them to maybe look at the space to potentially, mm. so we could diff- we could have maybe groups of shops. So if anybody saw my vlog about my space in upstate New York and you're at all curious about getting a shop in the countryside in the middle of this Nowhereville, USA, we could potentially turn this into YouTube Mecca. <laughs> Way to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, what I mean is like we need, this town needs an identity. I don't want to say the name yeah. of the town just yet until some people yeah. are serious about it, but um, some people know where I, where my place is. Um, but to avoid the mad rush of everyone coming to the only <laughs> coffee shop that doesn't have a toaster and closes at five, place makes, mm. they make sam- breakfast sandwiches. It's like a big thing, breakfast sandwiches. Every time you go, can I have that on toast? go, we don't have a toaster. I was going to buy a toaster and go there and say, can I have it on toast? We don't have a toaster. You do now. Can I have it on toast? Uh, push thanks. it across the counter. Just take your own toast in with you every time. Yeah, then you don't a, have to give them a toaster. That's a good idea. Then just pull it out of your me. pocket. <laughs> They'll be so, they are so weird. They'll look at me so weird. They're like, wait a minute. 
you must be from New York. You're being too talkative. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're too friendly. You must be from New York City. <laughs> Said no one ever. Wait, yeah. you definitely weren't born here, right? Because you're not being weird and introverted. No, I wasn't born here. Uh, so we'll change that once we get YouTube Mecca up here on Main Street. So Nice. If, if we can push it that way, that'd be fun. Yeah, right on. Um, well, what are we going to talk? Oh, wait, I didn't say what I was working on. What are you oh. working on, Bob? Hey, hey thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> this week, actually, I'm working on a bunch of stuff, which is really crazy. I, I say that every time, don't I? I say that every week. <laughs> It's true, I'm working though. on a bunch of stuff. It is. Um, but next week, I'm going to Maker Faire. Well, actually, this week, I'm going to go to Maker Faire, but I'll be gone through next week. Um, so I'm leaving on Friday, going out. I'll be there all weekend. Uh, if you're going to be at Maker Faire, which is like actually the day after this show comes out. So if you're going to be there, come hang out. There's going to be tons of makers, except for these two jokers. We're going to have other a, than them. We're doing our own. Doing yeah, our own. yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We'll announce it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, other than these two guys, there's going to be a whole bunch of, of awesome people out there, and the fair is awesome anyway, but I'm giving two talks, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. Uh, the one on Saturday, I don't know if I said this last week, but it's with Mark Rober, but then also Laura Kampf, 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 mm-hmm. Laura K, is, um, <laughs> is joining us for the panel, and it's going to be about content creation. And that's on Saturday. And on Sunday, um, I'm giving one by myself about making mistakes and how important they are, so... I got to write that on the plane out there, so that should be interesting. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's going to be awesome. Tons of people, tons of events. The fair's great. And then I'm staying in San Francisco for another two days to shoot some collaboration stuff uh, with some other people, so that'll be really cool. And then we come back here for a day, and then I leave again with my family on a trip for Memorial Day weekend. So, a, like a long weekend trip. So, wow. before then... I worked on four videos this morning, which is awesome. I have the next two weeks' videos shot and edited and colored, ready for voiceover. Nice. And tomorrow I'm going to shoot two more. So, yes, you are I'm doing a kicking lot of stuff. it. Yeah. Um, so the, anyway, the video that'll be out this week is a robot lamp. It was supposed to be kind of um, kind of styled after the 40s and 50s, like metal robot toys you know i don't think i really hit the look i was going for i was intentionally making a metal robot out of wood and so i knew it was going to look different and it wasn't going to have like the same kind of feel you know um but i don't think i quite got it anyway it's a robot lamp and it has a port in the back of it like a receptacle with usb ports so you can plug your phone and your other devices and stuff directly into the back of the lamp and it charges them um so yeah that's what that is you don't have your stolen hat from last week. Oh, you? I know. You know, I never posted a picture. I'm sorry. I forgot all about it. And it was, I haven't been up. I have been upstate since a couple days later, and I forgot to post that picture. So I will. Of the big A nice. B hat. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Twitter questions? Is yeah. That we're doing? Yeah. I we think got? we're going to re- answer the remaining questions from last week. Let's start with this one. And I already know. I think I know the answer to this. So the first question comes from. Chalfin, C-H-A-L-F-I-N on Twitter. Name a tool that you own that you have a love-hate relationship with and why. <laughs> Bob, I want you to go first on this one. I figured you probably would. Uh, the Jigsaw is probably the most the one that comes to the mind first. Um, and I used to really, really hate it. Like, I, I saw no... It just never worked. Turned out, the one I had was really bad. Like, especially bad. And... It was an old black, not actually that old, but it was a Black & Decker plastic whatever. It just wouldn't cut straight. The cuts were just garbage no matter what blade I put on it. Um, and I still don't really know why that one specifically was so bad. Uh, but, you know, jigsaws are kind of necessary. Not necessary. They're really helpful in some very specific situations. So eventually I bought another one, and it's way better. And it's actually like fine to use and it does what I expect it to do and it has, you know, relatively clean cuts and stuff. So that one's that whole situation has gotten better. But mm. I actually think um there's a couple other tools that I kind of have that same situation with. Chisels are one of them. And I think when I get that situation where it just doesn't do what I expect it to do, I think it's because not I have low well, not sharp enough, but I think that's because I buy the low grade tool. 
I don't go, always go out and buy like a nice version of something that I need. No, I think you can, if you have any kind of chunky chisel, I mean, you're going to, if it's good quality, it'll keep a sharp edge longer. But if it has a sharp edge for at least, you know, the first use of the second or third use, it's so much more pleasurable using a sharp chisel. And it's, it's yeah. getting like what you think is sharp and what really is sharp might be two different things because you, you might not have the tools to get it as sharp as it needs to be to be a pleasurable experience. But that's uh, mm. really important using hand planes and chisels. They have to be. They have to be able to shave, otherwise it's just not worth it. It just makes using them frustrating. Yeah, yeah. That's basically it. I, I'm going to put a pin in something because I want to come back to it after we finish this question. I have a lathe question for both of you. Mm-hmm. Don't let me forget that, okay? So uh-huh. that's my Word. answer. Jimmy, love-hate relationship with the tool. Uh, I guess with a concept. I guess it's, uh, it's CNC. I have a love-hate relationship with CNC. When it works great, it's amazing. Mm. And I'm so excited, whether it's wood, metal, or my, my milling machine, or my, my Tormach, or my, my plasma cutter. And when it works great, it's so nice. And when it doesn't work great, it's the most frustrating experience. It's like, damn this all to hell, I'm just going to go use a bandsaw. So it still, it still happens, as much as I only show the successes in my YouTube videos. There's certain moments, like, for instance, the, I talked today about this plasma cut hands that I made. And I was editing the video last night. And there's like five full minutes of video. And I'm like, wow, I don't remember shooting that. I left the camera on while I was busy trying to troubleshoot the initial cut. The, the, the initial Ooh. cut, it just blew. When you plasma cut, the, it has to pierce. And when it pierces, there's like almost like a big burst of metal. And then it's under the, the metal and then it's in the table. But when it doesn't pierce and it starts moving, it just blows hot molten metal all around the room for the length of that it, the cut doesn't pierce. And so I remember watching last night being like, oh, my God. It, like... You go into the room, you put your hard drive in, you think everything's going to work perfect and you hit start and then you break a bit or you blow your material or your plasma cut doesn't go all the way through the material because you have it turned down to 40 40, uh, volts instead of 80. And, you know, it's just amps, I should say, because someone's going to correct me. I had it down 40 amps, not 80 amps. And so it didn't cut all the way through. So it just blew hot molten metal all around the room and ruined my GoPro camera in about 13 seconds. Mm. Um but yeah, that's it's definitely uh, you know something I'm trying to. The more the time goes by, I want to try and be more on the success side of, than the failure. More often, there's a big problem. And a friend of mine, my buddy Mike Dubno, who's been featured in a couple of videos, he said we need a checklist, especially for the Tormach. There needs to be a checklist that you go through. Like, okay, are these ten things all thought through? Because the minute you hit start, then you end up cutting the corner of your, of your vice, and you're like. Oh, I forgot to set the tool number or or I forgot to change the amperage or I forgot. So for each one of the CNC machines, I'm, I'm suggesting this, but I still haven't done it yet. We should make a checklist. I should make a checklist and say, are these mm. seven or eight things done? And then when I hit start, my initial cut's going to be cool. It's going to work. Like I said, when you see my edited videos, I just show the successes. I don't show the seven false starts or the three broken bits or you know, the time I crashed my, my, uh, Tormach, but, uh, the time goes on and we live and we learn just more often you remember all these finite things. I wonder if any, if that has anything to do with like, and maybe this isn't the case for you, but I, I use my CNC so rarely that that stuff is just not present in my mind. Like I don't think about all those steps because I, it's every three or four months I'll use it one time and then, you know, go away from it. And, and so no, I forget you're not having about problems. all the setup stuff. Well, no, I do have problems. I have those same things. I'll break bits. I'll forget to like lift a certain thing or clear this thing or whatever. Right. But that's because I don't do it very often. Right. And I wonder if those like checklists that you're talking about would become more natural if they were things that we did, you know, like on a daily basis. Well, I think I think I don't need a checklist, and then I hit start, and something goes wrong, and then I'm like, oh, yeah. damn, that's the one thing I didn't think about. Uh, but yeah, as you know, as we go as we go through life, it's just it's just a matter of. Becoming, it's becoming more automatic the more often we do it, the more often I do it. Yeah. But I still make mistakes. One of the problems that I have with the uh, CNC is I can't visually tell by looking at the bit whether this is, and, and I just don't know, but whether it's an upcut or uh, a down cut or if it's a plastic bit or a wood bit. And so I'm trying to like, you have to, I'm I'm guessing or I'm looking at the tiny little numbers on the bit and then Googling it to see if that bit is the right bit for what I'm going to use. And then 
you need different speeds and feeds for different types of materials. Mm-hmm. And then only and that's only a guideline. Because mm-hmm. if you're cutting walnut, but it's curly walnut, that's going to react different to the bit than than a straight grain walnut. And there's just so many trials and errors. And it's one of those things where like experience helps because you can know like, oh, these are the guidelines, but I know I can cut a little faster or I should cut slower with this particular board that I'm using. I, I usually just do a lot of test cuts. I try to, especially mm-hmm. if it's if I have a limited amount of material, I definitely will do a test cut on either the tiny piece or something similar to it just to make sure I do that a lot because uh, sometimes when you cut letters they go flying and you lose them so I'll also set up a jig if I set up a, a cut I'll cut the same thing like maybe twice so that I have an extra set of letters because some of them might get a jaggedy cut or they might shoot across the room mm. so good, yeah. I try and prepare I try to but every single time you cut it's an, it's a new experience <laughs> <laughs> one thing one thing I learned from hanging out with John Saunders and the guys over at NYCCNC, they have a loop, which is a thing you can hold up to your eye, just like you see a jeweler use, and they check the tip of the bit and see if it's chipped. And there have been so many times since I've been with them that I've checked the tip of a bit, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's not going to cut well. That's the reason why it's not cutting well, or this is the reason why I'm having a, an off-center cut, because it's got a chip in it. So... Having a loop helps you read the side of the bit and also check the very end of the bit. And I just hmm. I bought a loop for like $10 on, on Amazon. Hmm. Just a little magnifying glass. And they come with a little LED in them. So that no matter where you point it, it has, it's like a magnifying glass with a light that's always present. I'm pretty sure you just need that, like a little flip down one on your glasses. So you can flip it up out of the way and then flip it down like <laughs> Doc oh, Brown. Oh, yes, yes. I need that too. I, I've been, <laughs> believe it or not, I've been working on some kind of crazy mad scientist uh, HG Geiger glasses. Nice. Because I, I take them off, put them on 400 times an hour, and I never know where I put them down. <laughs> Going back to the, the jigsaw, uh, in my shop tour video that I did a few weeks ago, I mentioned my jigsaw, and it's like, you know, it's a great tool as long as you're using the right blade for the right job. And then I, I started getting questions about that. I'm like, every time I cut plywood with a jigsaw, it looks like crap. And... Plywood does not cut well with a jigsaw. I don't even. Yeah. I don't think there's a special plywood blade for the jigsaw. You could use a and down so, cut, which works better. So you, if you, you if you're going to use a frontal, mm. if you're using the plywood with like a veneer on it, the teeth rake downward, and you get a much yeah. better cut. But the, or you could sandwich it between scraps too. That, that, and that could help. Yeah, mm. and yeah, but um, the the wood Bosch bits I find for cutting regular pieces of wood work really well and it's got to be sharp of course so that's all i have to say about the jigsaw well the tool that i have a love hate relationship with is the router it's because i'm terrified of the router it's just this thing that spins it's in the air it's out in the open and it's only held in place by pressure that weirds me out sometimes Hmm. uh i uh i use it a, a lot in the table and handheld but i'm just i'm terrified of it yeah, yeah. It, it it feels like it has a lot of power it when does, you use it, yeah. and that that's a little different than yeah. other things. And I, I guess it's like the the gyroscopic nature of it, because it's like pulling itself in a certain direction almost. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't feel like a uh, circular saw. I don't feel like has that same like oh yeah creating its own you know gyroscope whatever. I don't know. Yeah, you know when you have it in a table, you have to feed it. A certain way otherwise it's going to take the board from your hands and throw it and then when you have it handheld you got to go a- another way depending on the type of cut that you're you're doing and i always just feel like ah, am i doing this right am i doing this right mm. is it going to catch is it going to tear up my wood you know i'm, I don't know, I'm just i'm intimidated by the router yeah. you know what i recently i used it with the the spring-loaded, uh, what do they call it? The base where you can mush it down into the material. I don't forget what it's oh, called. Oh, like a plunge. The plunge cut. A plunge. Uh, I, I, for the very first time ever, used the plunge base on my small router. Every time you buy a router, it comes with a plunge base if you buy like the more expensive package. And I have three or four routers with plunge bases that I never use. I always just use the drag-around base. But recently, in my Rockler video, the last one I did with the box, I used the plunge base, and it made using it a thousand times easier. It also made it mm-hmm. safer because I had a very precise cut to try and do, and I knew instantly. I said, "I'm going to screw this up. There's no matter." I was already planning on how to fix my mess up because I just figured I was going to go outside the lines. <clears throat> but by using the plunge base, if you feel like you're getting tricky, you could just like pop the spring, and it pops out of the work. 
So hmm. yeah, keep that in mind. I need to get so, one of those. I need to get one of those. I'm sure you can get them for like a little trim router, right? The Dewalt six eleven. Don't you have that, Bob? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you can get it for that. I love that router. Like yeah. of, I have a few of them. One mounted in a big one mounted in a table. I have another old one that's more of a handheld, like the two big knobs on the side. You know, you can hold it like that. Uh, but yeah, that little Dewalt is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, my lathe. Are we done with that or yeah. anything else? Yeah. What's your lathe, pin? Lathe question. Okay, so I've been trying to lathe something, and I, this is just something I could look up and look. But you guys know it, so I'm going to ask you. If you're trying to turn something small, um, <clears throat> and I don't even know how to ask this, but like, what are some different ways to mount it within the chuck? If you have a small piece that debt is a limited size, it, you don't have a whole bunch of excess on one side to like lock into the chuck or to screw in, you know, like if you have a face on the, the spinning side that you don't want the, you know, you don't want that face messed up. Mm-hmm. Do you just have to get a longer piece and then part it down to the final size that you want after it's turned? Or is there some other process there? There's I'm, miss, couple... I'm missing the question. Just if you, okay. could, you don't mind just describing it again. Well, yeah, I couldn't picture it. Okay. Imagine this, this is not the example, but this kind of gets the same idea across. Imagine you wanted to turn a sphere, right? Uh, not a sphere. Imagine you wanted to turn a cylinder and you didn't want like a perfect cylinder with flat ends. Mm-hmm. This is not a good example because you could do this a thousand other ways. But just imagine that this is what. So you have this uh, this block. You chuck it up on one side, and you don't have enough room on this block to really like chuck up an extra inch or two. Right, you got to use the, the entire piece of materials. Yeah, you got to use pretty much the entire piece. Yeah. yeah. So, so like, yeah. what do you do? Glue on chunks onto the end of that, and you then you certainly do on. that if it's wood. Yeah, you just add some sacrificial pieces. If say you have a piece of precious material and you just want to use that whole entire piece, definitely epoxy on some extra parts. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. And make sure the epoxy stuff you you put on is is a hard material. You don't want to use like a a piece of like hardwood with like pine ends because pine isn't a great material to put in a lathe. It's very soft, especially if you don't have a live live end. You know, a live. Uh, tailstock where it spins with the wood if it's just mm. a, uh, if it's a stationary one and you're just depending on friction like a pine will definitely be too soft um gotcha. but the, y- you could you could do a grabbing chuck yeah like a yeah. like a, a three a three jaw chuck or a four jaw chuck well i have that and mm. so but even that will you know if you use your actual piece in there clamping that down on there or, you know whatever it, it messes oh. up the piece. Yeah. Well, and if you need to actually turn that whole piece down. Well, what some guys do is they'll uh, the, those three jaw chucks are designed to hold the outside of something or the inside of something. So you could put it in there, start spinning it, and make a pocket in the back, and then flip the whole thing over and grab it with the three jaw chuck opened up inside of that pocket you make. Make sense? Huh. Yeah. Because the chuck will grab compressing and then expanding so when it expands you'll have it expand inside the pocket that you initially make so you 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 see like frank haworth does that a lot you'll see him throw the chunk in put a spin this big whatever it is it's usually he usually has it kind of shaped slightly down to where he wants it and then he'll put a hole in the bottom just like a like a divot and you turn it over and then that divot then gets grabbed by the three jaws opening up inside of it Hmm. and then he has basically the entire you have the entire piece of material to work right up to where your your chisel will hit the the, the chuck, and you're able to work right up to it. Gotcha. Hmm. Okay, that helps. Yeah, I think I don't have enough experience with the. Well, I don't have enough experience with any of it, but especially with those chucks, like to or another option. How to mount it in there in the best way? You know, is is a plate. You could have a, a the the face plate that screws on. Yeah. It screws on to the, the the spinning tailstock, and or your 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 spindle is what it's called. The end that turns is the spindle. And you, your faceplate can just screw right into the bottom of your piece of material, so that you have you know the chuck is not anything to consider. It's a little bit stronger too. Yeah, you're not, if you're not making trying, a was, cup or a pocket or something. You could. Have I think I was trying to find ways to not screw in or damage the outside faces, and right. so I, it sounds like gluing on mm-hmm. some other hardwood on the outside of it's probably the way to do it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Or plastic. I appreciate that. Poxy. Or plastic. Poxy plastic. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, wood is, is, this is probably a dumb question. Wood glue enough to, if you have a good the Wood hardened, glue to wood glue, yeah. Wood yeah. to wood, yeah. That should be yeah, more okay. than adequate. 
Okay, I've got one here uh, that was from last week. This is kind of interesting. What would you do if the bottom fell out of your current job? Ideal and realistic. Hmm. Well, I am actually, uh, I can answer first because I'm, <laughs> I started, I think I might have told you guys last week, I looked at my analytics and everything was down 20%. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I never really relied on my YouTube money, but the more, uh, the more got, the more comfortable I started to feel. I never had to live off of it, but. I definitely turn things away knowing that I'll make a piece of change from YouTube. And now that piece of change is going to get smaller and smaller if it continues to get smaller. Um, that's why I just add my Patreon. I'm going to really focus on my Patreon and build my Patreon. And, you know, the fans always want to help. And I always kind of turn them away. So now if anybody wants to help me with Patreon, you know, we all have Patreon, but I've been kind of ignoring it. And so now I'm going to definitely focus on it, give it more love and more energy and and it's been fun, actually. It's fun to have like your secret friends you could talk to. So yeah, it's nice. So I'm doing that. And then uh, up here, when I have my new shop, I am definitely not going to have the access to the, some of the clients in the city that I typically work for, which I'm actually not going to miss them. No offense if any of them are listening. Um, but I am going to try and make farmhouse tables and some rustic furniture that the 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 New York uh, you know the People that live in New York and live up here might want to buy from me, or anybody might want to buy a table. So I'm going to be making some farmhouse tables with the room that I have up here now. So I'm going to be making some stuff that I could actually just say, oh, would you want any one of these four things? Where in the past I'd have to wait for an order because I had nowhere to put them. So now I have room. So I'm going to amp my game up that way as well. That's cool. What about you, David? Well, if the bottom fell out, I would imagine the bottom would fall out for other creators like myself as well. Unless mm -hmm. I did something totally stupid, um, which I don't see myself doing. Um, everything I do is pretty calculated. Uh, so, uh, so if that would happen, I would get together with you guys. We would invite some other people who are, uh, not, you know, not doing so well as well, and just kind of brainstorm and say, I'll save you a hey, space in the Maker Village up here. In yeah, yeah. Like, what can USA. we do together? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, I'm going to turn to to my friends and, and see what we can all do to help each other, you know, get that bottom patched up and, and see where we're going, what we yeah. can do. It's good. Mm. Yeah, I kind of feel like if the bottom fell out of this, and uh, I mean, honestly, I can't even imagine how that would happen <laughs> completely i could see things changing and i think i can see like you know it's shifting away from a certain income source to something else but it just feels like it would it's never going to just completely like just explode not but, overnight um yeah yeah exactly not overnight but if it did i mean i feel like it would do that because something else was replacing it like something else that was more interesting or more beneficial or more whatever would come along and it I think we would probably be on to that new thing before this thing exploded. <laughs> <laughs> I might be wrong. I don't know, but like I I honestly uh I if the, all this stuff went away, I could easily see myself buying a farm and just like living on a farm, making my own food, you know, and trying to sell it and trying to make a living that way, just like just I don't know. I like the simple stuff, and I, I could easily see myself, as long as we could make it work and take care of the family and everything, I, I think I would probably go that way, you know, making furniture here and there or whatever, but probably just living off the land. I, I like to think that any one of the machines that we all have access to could become a career. I mean, you could become, you could basically mm. make a living 3D printing, Bob. Absolutely. I think there's enough people out there if you opened up and said, I'm going to 3D print anything anybody wants me to. You know, that's just an example. I'm sure you wouldn't do yeah. just that. But the example is that if any any one of us has a certain number of machines or our shop in general, we could certainly make a living off of a local economy with a shop. If with some, What you need to be is inventive, on time, and reliable. And if you're mm. those three things, mm. anybody will be able to make a living. It's the people – I'm up here trying to enlist services, and most of the people just don't show up. They say they put an ad in the penny saver or in the Craigslist and you, you follow through and then they just don't show up. And you're like, how can people like half heart the way they, they do their thing? So if you're in an environment or an economy where you just, just show up, 
mm-hmm. show up, be honest, and be on time. And you could certainly eke out a living, regardless of whether mm. whether it's house painting, raking leaves, mowing lawns, you know, just handyman stuff, anything, yeah. or or more involved crafts that you know so many people are skilled at. I would also. Yeah. Sorry, I would also ask you guys if we could do the show like five times a week, and see, <laughs> see and see if we could make a living doing the show. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be fun. Well, it's interesting you bring that up, uh, Jimmy, because you know the, the conversation that's come up a bunch of times about like digital tools, CNC and three D printing and all that stuff, and how um, you know there's debate about whether that what that is and like what value it has and all that stuff. But if you were, if you had access to those tools. And you were to lose your job, lose your income source or whatever, those tools can immediately serve as an assembly line or as a production line. Mm-hmm. Right now you we know? just play so with like, them. <laughs> you know, right now, it's exactly. Right now we make one thing with them. But if you have a product that you can make and you can sell and you have an automated machine that can make those while you're doing something else, mm-hmm. that's money. I mean, that's that's how businesses – that's how cars are made, right? That's – you know. So – you know, some people can can think what they want about those the digital fabrication stuff, and maybe it has its place, and you know, maybe some places it shouldn't be. But that's a good example of if you need to be able to generate income, um, and you have access to those tools, they can be generating stuff for you while you're doing other work, while you're researching the next project or the next job. It's so easy, your grandmother could do it for you. <laughs> and that's another way to make money. Get yeah. your grandmother to do your work for you. <laughs> the bottom never is never going to fall out as long as grandma's alive. And the important right. thing is that you have the you have a good idea of that thing that you want to make, or you have yeah. uh, just a, a good a good plan. Um, it's like it's like I can't just keep making YouTube videos. I have to keep making good YouTube videos to make a living. Right. You can't just have a three D printer. You have to have a three D printer with a purpose to make a living. Yeah. So there's, I met, um, somebody, this is kind of related. Um, she goes by the name of Bendy Smalls. She's a cosplayer. And I met her in, uh, Seattle when I was out there with, uh, Bill and Britt from Punish Props. And I didn't really know a whole lot about her cause I don't know a lot about the people who are like cosplayers professionally or whatever. Um, but we got to talk, uh, to her a lot and basically she does, she makes costumes and then does events but in the in between those times, she has like a fleet of 3D printers in her house, like a bunch of them. And she takes on commission printing work from people um, everywhere from like individual just Joe Schmo who needs a piece printed for whatever, all the way up to like hospitals who need really high resolution uh, like resin prints. And so she has this production facility in her house where she just takes in orders. She prints out the pieces and ships them out. And that gives her the livelihood so that she can do this other, you know, costuming stuff that she really loves and enjoys. And like she does modeling and all these other things, but the 3d printing kind of production end of things is what pays for all of her, the rest Mm. of the stuff she loves. Mm. Um, and I, I guess I'd, before that I'd never met anybody who did that, you know, kind of like a utility to provide the stuff you have a passion about. So I thought that was really cool. It's possible for sure. Um, there's another question that's actually a little bit related to that, and I don't know where it is right now, but it was like, I'm sorry, I can't say your name because I don't know where the question is, but it was something to the effect of, what's the quickest way oh. to turn $100 into $1,000? That was the next one I was going to ask. And that oh, is, is it? Yeah. Saul Rosas? I'm not sure how to say his last name, but. Saul asked that, yes. If you had to, how would you turn $100 into $1,000 as fast as possible? That's a good question. Jimmy, go. I, I, saw, I saw this question earlier when you – I'm like Hillary Clinton. I got all the questions first. But when you <laughs> – when, <laughs> when you uh, sent that before, the first thing I thought of, and I already brought it up this afternoon, is to make a farmhouse table. Because with 100 bucks, you can get a set of legs online, or if, unless you want to spin your own. But go to the local sawmill and get – some fresh cut lumber that, and make sure you buy fresh cut lumber that was cut at least a couple months ago so it's slightly dry and you make a beautiful farmhouse table and you could turn that into a thousand bucks easily hmm. like the farmhouse table I did on my Core 77 video now I sound like, like a panelist on like an old Johnny Carson show talking about my hits but uh, my old video uh, <laughs> on the Core 77 where I made a, a farmhouse table so many people have copied that simple design and have sent me their versions of it and I think with just a pile of $100 worth of wood, even from Home Depot, if you spend $100 in like that 
that pine aisle where the Home Depot sells all like the the, the naughty and the non-mighty pine. You could make a beautiful table and turn around and sell it to a neighbor or somebody. And, and I always say you got to go online and get like the, the the legs from. There's a if you go to tablelegs.com, you can for like I think for like twenty five bucks each, which is the hundred dollars. Then you got to use pallet wood to make the rest of your table. You can make a beautiful table with beautiful turned legs that you could buy online, or go on Craigslist, get an old beat-up table. Sometimes people save the legs for broken tables and you can make the table any long size you want. And Ooh. if you can make it with like sawmill wood that's very cheap and make it really long, people love long tables, like 12 and 13 foot tables. Not everybody has the room for them, but they're good to put in under a covered porch or something. And they always have perceived value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot to add to that because that's pretty much my answer. I have a buddy here, his name's Dusty, who... It doesn't do a lot of woodworking. He just basically has a circular saw, buys lumber from a Home Depot or lumber that people give to him, and he makes tables and like outdoor furniture. That's how and John and Matt make their living in California, my brother and his son. People pay good money for that stuff. And it's like it's because it's this huge piece, like a big table. People have this perceived thing where it's like, this is worth hundreds of dollars. And he does a good job. He he has some great designs, but it's an easy way to take very inexpensive materials and turn a profit on it. Yep. Yes. I don't I don't have anything to add to that at all. Yeah. Jimmy <laughs> nailed it. Jimmy nailed yeah, it. There's there's actually a couple of places in New York where you could take a hundred bucks, turn it into a thousand bucks, but that's a different podcast. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm from the Lower East Side. Call, call me after the show. <laughs> oh, Jimmy just made a thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> you got hey, what more else about? you got? Um, let's see. I got one. Okay, here, go for here, it. I like this one because this changes for me. Uh, Hubbard's homemade asked, "Who do you make videos for? Who is your target audience? How has it changed since you started?" Ooh. I, I, I can go because I, I, I've talked about this. My target audience was the TV business at first because I was angry and disgruntled being a ex-TV employee. And so I was like, I'm going to show everybody how cool I am and what they missed. But that was just me being just a disgruntled teenager. You know, not really, but you know, my behavior was just a disgruntled teenager. But then once I started getting the love and admiration from the fans and the people saying, you've changed my lives and you've got me out of my my fear factor and now I can go in the shop and do stuff. And, and then from the trained professionals like, like Andy Berkey, who constantly is, is showering me with accolades and in the way that like, wow, I love your perspective on that. You know, he's definitely a skilled artist. So it's not like I'm getting him in the shop. So it's, it's just, I do now for, and now it sounds like I'm saying I do it for the accolades, but I do it for, to help people and inspire people. And it really is rewarding in the same way that I was a teacher for so many years, and it was rewarding to watch the light in a student's eye light up once they realized, oh my God, now I know what I want to do with my time. Whereas before, I just wasn't quite sure. Now I know. And now I'm doing that through YouTube, and, and it's, it's extremely rewarding. So it's, it's just to enlighten people, and that's really, really where it's at. Hmm. I think for me, um, I don't think I have a target audience, like on purpose. Um, hmm. I I think I've stayed pretty true to my initial goal of making content that everybody anyone could stumble across from the day it's made until whatever forever could stumble across it and it would still have a certain amount of relevance just from like uh, the process that I'm using to make something whether the the thing I'm making may be dated or whatever but um, so the the idea has always been to make a thing that somebody could stumble across and get something out of it that would motivate them to make something that they wanted to have. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, there's no target for that. That's people. That's like human beings who have a thing that they want. So um, I don't think I have like a a really defined target audience. And I think that works against me in some ways. You know, because say, that goes against every business book I've ever read. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it works against me in that 
some people, well, um, just about everybody watches my videos for a specific thing. And so when I don't do that thing, then they feel alienated or they, or they're not interested or they're whatever. And so it bounces, (laughs) well, no, it bounces from like, you know, this week person A is really interested. The next week person B is really interested, but person A doesn't care anymore or whatever. And so that makes it hard to get like a really dedicated, really, you know, unified group of people who watch my videos because everybody's watching them for a different reason. Not everybody, but you know what I mean? It's broken up into a bunch of segments. That doesn't bother me so much because I want to be able to reach as many people as possible, not just woodworkers or not just prop makers. Wait, if there's any, if there's any advertisers listening, my target audience is 18 to 24. (laughs) (laughs) That's my answer and I'm sticking to it. Okay. There you go. (laughs) What about you, David? So I think when I started off, my target audience was woodworkers, maybe beginning woodworkers who wanted to make money at craft shows. How it's changed is I think my target audience is thousands of little me's out there, little David Petrudos. I think my target audience is people like me. There's Um, only one David Petrudo, and you know that. (laughs) Please stand up. Please stand up. (laughs) Um... And uh, so I'm. I, I I want people. I want to attract like-minded people who are into making, crafting, being okay if the thing doesn't work. Because to overuse the phrase, you know, we're just having fun. Uh, I want to show that uh, woodworking doesn't have to have this negative, like you know, we have to do it this way, and you know, this mm. is how it's been done for hundreds of years. I, I just wanted, I wanted to show that everybody can be creative, and we can have fun, and it's just this thing that anybody can do. If you, you know, you got to have tools, so it's not anybody. But I don't know. It's me. My target audience yeah. is me. Hmm. Well, that's. I guess that's kind of the same as me in that, like, I, I want people as curious as I am. I mean, I guess that's who I'm looking for. One of the things that has come up in previous conversations, not on the podcast, but in different places is about like how your channel, how our channels have evolved um, as our skills evolved. And that's something I've always thought a lot about. I've not really made any choices based on it. But imagine that you started your channel with the, the intention of having a beginner woodworker channel, right? And it was projects that any person with a handsaw could do. Um, and you, that was your channel and all of the videos worked in that, you know, those constraints. Eventually those people who start that way are going to, if they start it and they start making projects and they get, they like, wow, this is great. So they learn some more skills, they learn some more skills. And then they're at a point to where the stuff you're making is not, maybe not interesting because it's too simple or because it's too limiting or because there's this constraint. The flip side of that is also true where you do like high end, whatever, super, you know, woodworking stuff that nobody can touch and nobody even makes an effort to actually make them and get to that level because it seems so far away. Um, I don't think either one of those things are wrong. I'm just saying that we, there was a discussion one time, I don't even remember where I was about like, do you grow your channel as your audience grows? Do you let your audience pass you by? Do you try to stay ahead of your audience? You know, there's Mm -hmm. just some like thought processes. I feel that I've grown a tremendous amount in the last five years. I still do the little basic project. Like, for instance, I'm going to make these hands. I'm, well, that's not a good example because I'm going to plasma cut them, which is something I would have bandsawed out in the past. And I still do bandsaw. A couple of weeks ago, I put out a bandsaw video. So, But I definitely feel like I've grown up in the digital world in front of everybody's eyes. And it's for me, it's just another tool to have. And it's fun to explore it. And it, again, I talked about the frustration level accompanying with it, and it, it it's there. You know, I'm gonna I'm like I'm gonna try and see and see this. You know what? The letters are too small. I just shot them across the room. Let me just bandsaw them out instead. So, but I that's why I get a lot of that complaint of you've changed. But the mass majority is has grown with me. I feel a lot of people. Almost everybody you talk to has got access to an X-Carve, it seems, or is thinking about getting an X-Carve or knows somebody that has a CNC machine. So I think the world has has really grown in a way. Not everybody has access to these things, but I think a lot of people, a lot more people than ever have the ambition to have access to them. Whereas I remember my, my, my I would poo-poo the CNC machine saying, 
I don't need that. And now I'm so happy that I gave that up. So I definitely feel like I've grown with my with my audience. I, I think I know I've grown. I hope my audience has grown with me. Yeah, a, a couple things to support my own point of my audience being people like me is I still build the things that I want or I need. And because if I'm not, if I'm building and making videos for an audience, I'm not doing this thing that's going to make me satisfied and, and happy. And uh, sometimes I, I, and I, I'll have to mix it up. Like, like you guys are saying, like, does your audience grow with you or, or do you stay in this, this, this same level? And like my coffee table, if anybody looks at that down the road, a generation down the road, and they're going to see four different joinery techniques used on the same table, they're kind of like, what is going on? Who, who did this? I'm like, but for me, I made this, this thing and I made a video as an entertainment uh, so you can watch and enjoy it. But maybe you get something out of it too because I show you a couple of different ways. So I, I, I'm still, I'm still, I think I'm still helping the little guy. I'm still giving maybe somebody with more experience to me some some ideas. And, but mostly it's about entertaining and um, watching me kind of do this thing and hopefully it, it, it works out. Yeah. Again, yeah, I feel I'm like I'm not saying what what's in my head. I, I can't, I can't find the the elegant words to to express how I feel. But I think you get the point. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I'm I feel the same way. Like, I if I don't make things that are personally interesting to me, then I have you can tell you just they don't work as well, and I'm not excited about them. And you can see it in me, and you can see it in the project. And mm -hmm. so that that's always what I try to do. Um, and sometimes I'm interested in a project for different reasons. Sometimes I'm interested because I like the way it looks. Sometimes it's because I've never done X before and I just want to learn how to do X. I don't really care about the final product. It's just, I want the experience of trying to turn a whatever on the lathe, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but like I go back and forth about the, the whole thing of the audience passing me by or me passing them by as far as skill sets. I feel pretty strongly that, if I, because I get people on every single video ask me, make a, a tool or make a project with just hand tools, or I don't have all of those saws. Can you make something with just like really basic stuff? And like, I don't want to be a jerk and say no, but no, because I don't make projects to mm -hmm. get the experience of using just hand tools. Like that's just not, I make projects for the project, not for the process. Right. So right. I don't really care about what tools are used in the process. I want to, I want a lamp that looks like a robot, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so, so the hard <laughs> thing about that is that uh, it, well, I guess it's not a hard thing, but I, it, there is a separation between some of the people watching and what they actually, what's accessible for them as my skill sets grow and change. And I reach into new types of medium and new types of tools and whatever. And I do worry about that, like separation a little bit, but not enough to actually do anything about it. <laughs> not enough to stunt what I'm interested in just to make sure that like hand tool people are getting the video that they are asking for. You know what I mean? Hand tool people have plenty of channels to watch, so they could buzz off. Well, no, and, and I'm not talking about like... like <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking, but the point I was going to make is there's enough of us to go around. I yeah, like so watching. There's enough, there's, enough, there's enough of an audience... Because I know my personal experiences, I watch Machinist Guys, and then I watch, for instance, Samurai Carpenter, who's constantly making all these Japanese joinery things, which I think one day I'll attempt, but I know I never will. I'd rather <laughs> just use a circular saw and a bandsaw, and you know, he's mm. using chisels. I could totally respect what he does, and I watch what he does, because it inspires me to, to be more meticulous with my own methods and my own things. So I'm watching him for a different reason. It's, it's to just kind of remind myself I need to stay meticulous and not necessarily and I, I find him somewhat entertaining in his in his banter I think he's funny but he makes incredibly beautiful things but I'm not watching him because I need to do exactly what he's doing I'm watching him because he's educational and entertaining hmm well, that's good to hear because that's what I hope people yeah. are watching me for I guess well, yeah. once in a while don't you guys limit yourself just just for your own personal challenge and not for your audience I do the Leatherman challenge it's like let me figure out how to make this light switch work with just a leather man. Hmm. That kind I don't of know if I've done that or not. You know, whatever it is, I don't, I don't necessarily do like, I'm only going to do hand tools because you know what? I drove to work and 
I made food in a blender and, you know. <laughs> I think ultimately I'm trying to make the best video that I can make. Yeah. And sometimes the video will direct me what tools I, or what techniques I'm going to use in there because, man, it's my business. I have to, I have to pay the bills, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know that I've, I've never really thought about it that way. I don't know that I constrain myself for the sake of the video. Well, no, I do, I guess. I, I guess there's been a, a lot of times where I could have used a CNC or a 3D printer for something and I don't because it doesn't make a good video. Mm-hmm. I try to save those things for the situations where they, they're the, basically the only way to do something or the, you know, like way easier or way faster type thing. So I guess that is a constraint. But, hmm, okay. Um, well, we're running long again. again which is cool. Um, and we still have questions, so I guess we could do them next week if you want. Um, you want to talk about what we're watching? Jimmy just made a face. <laughs> I've got to look. I've got to look at my... <laughs> Sorry. So I, my, my, what I'm watching is something I'm not watching or listening, but it's something I'm going to. And <laughs> it's not right. <laughs> I know. It's not right at all. But uh, there's the Tim Ferriss podcast, which I don't subscribe to. I just kind of like pick and choose which episodes I want to listen to because sometimes I relate to Tim Ferriss and sometimes I don't. But somebody just reminded me that the author of the um, Life Changing Magic of Tidying Up is was on his show back in April. And so hmm. that's what I'm going to listen to here in the next couple of days because that book changed my life. And uh, I, I think that that author has, she has amazing ideas. And so I can't wait to listen to the the interview with her um you know what i'm gonna do because I, I didn't have a good prep i, I wasn't prepped for this because i was running late but i'm gonna um be a sellout and say the rockler channel because the rockler channel includes <laughs> i'm just looking through my history and i was watching some videos on the rockler channel rockler channel is uh you know it's a big sales pitch but they have really good content including mine and including david picciuto's and bob have you worked for rockler yet <laughs> i have not and uh, I know David <laughs> Welder is going to be working on there, and uh, Darbin is on there, and April's on there. So it's a good it's a good mashup of of a lot of good creators. <laughs> Rockley, what's up? <laughs> just kidding. No, no, Bob, Bob you just you, you just content creation in the bank over there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so yeah, so check out the Rockley channel, and there's lots of tips and stuff, and you know for for, for woodworking. Nice. Yeah, they do have a good, really good. Um, Kind of breadth of content over there. Yeah, I heard they're, and, gonna, you know, they're, they're doing a 3D printer, Bob. So you should get it. Really? 3D, they're going to be printing wood. <laughs> oh, neat. Um, they, uh, I actually don't have any Rockler tools, I don't think. But honestly, since they've been sponsoring more people and stuff, I've seen several of their little widgets and gadgets and things. And I'm like, oh, that's a really good idea. You know, stuff that have kind of stuck out. So I guess their marketing is working on me. Whatever. <laughs> Um, I actually have two. One is a YouTube channel and one is a book. Uh, the book is, I've been listening to, uh, let me find the name of it because I forgot. It's the Elon Musk um, biography. Have you guys heard this? Mm-mm. Uh-huh. So, Elon, you have listened to it? Um, Elon Musk is crazy. He's the guy from, you know, PayPal and SpaceX and Tesla. Mm-hmm. And um, I've never known a whole lot about, like, where he came from or how he got to be as into everything as he is. And I'm not finished with the book. I'm like maybe halfway through, but it's really interesting. I mean, it just sheds like a good light on a person and how they become as driven and as motivated as he seems to be. I know of the book. I haven't listened to it. So just want to clarify. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You should. It's good. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, it's like, it's one of those things where you, when you talk about somebody's life, there's good stuff and bad stuff and personal stuff and like things that don't make them look like a great person. There's all of that. But I think it's really interesting, like when you find out about how somebody grew up and how their family and extended and like, you know, multiple generations back, all of that stuff plays into who they are and what they're motivated to do and how far they're willing to go to get what they want and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Um, So I'm listening to that. And then also, so the other one's a YouTube channel. It's called A Glimpse Inside and it's by a guy named Chris and I can't think of Chris's last name. Um, but he's a listener of the show and, you know, supporter of all of our YouTube stuff. And he's been putting out videos for a while now and they're just really good. He has a really good kind of upbeat personality. Uh, he does woodworking projects, lots of tables and 
I, you know, just different stuff. It's just a good, it's a good channel. And I'm glad to see, I, he talked to me about it when he first got it started and was asking some questions and all that. And it's good to see it's like moving and going and he's, he's having a good time with it. So go check out a glimpse inside. Um, I guess we're about done unless you guys got anything else. Got to thank our Patreon supporters. We do. Cause they're awesome. And we have had several new Patreon people this week, which is great. Thank you guys for that. Thank you very much. Um, especially make, build, modify and wise old Dow. There are top contributors over there. Very grateful for them and everybody else. And if you want to support the show, that would be awesome. Cause we don't have sponsors. We have Patreon supporters. Hmm. So go to patreoncom slash making it. You guys got anything else? T-shirts, sweatshirts. You have T-shirts and sweatshirts? Good. Me too. <laughs> Just kidding. Making it, the, the podcast has T-shirts oh, and sweatshirts. Yeah. Yes. I do as yeah. well, but I'm, this isn't about me. <laughs> Just want everybody uh, to know, I got shirts. Yeah. Oh, uh, since this isn't about me, I do want to announce, or I say once again, that I will be at Kencraft Hardwoods Saturday, June 3rd from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. So if you're in Toledo that day, come by and say hello. There's a couple sponsors that are giving away door prizes, and we're just going to have a good time. Yes. And yesterday I was at Filson's store doing a live performance. <laughs> so if you have a time machine, go back. <laughs> go back yesterday. And go, to, go to Jimmy's thing yesterday. Thursday. Yeah. I'm going to be at the Filson store, but no one's going to care by now. Nice. Um, and I'll be at Maker Fair this weekend. So if you're going to be there, hit me up. Hang out. That's it for this one, I guess. You know what I love? What? My new giant ice pick. <laughs>